Hi. Uh, I'm Tybee Diskin. <laughs> uh, I co-host a show called Interrobang with Travis and Tybee. And uh, I'm here to introduce three of my favorite people for the show Schmanners. It's Travis McElroy, Teresa McElroy, and the impending Tiny McElroy in Teresa's belly. Enjoy. So this is our second ever uh, live show, and it's always fun because the structure of our intro doesn't work. So we're about to do our intro, and then you all just pretend like it totally makes sense. Okay, you ready? Teresa, I feel bad. It's Christmas, and I didn't get you anything. Oh, Travis, your presence is presence enough. It's Schmanners! Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasion. Hello, my dove. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, right before we came out, Teresa's computer started updating, and that's where all her notes were. We did some quick tech wizardry, and we were able to get them on a different device. Yes, so that's just how you. our evening is going. Thank you very much. Well, um, I actually I wanted to start off the show. I have a question for you. Yes. What is the correct salutation for candle nights? You know, we have Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and all of that stuff. What What do you is it Is it just Happy Candle Nights? Uh, it's actually like a call and response. Okay. And you say, Yo, yo, yo! It's Candle Nights, player. And the, other person, and the other person says, indeed tis! And then they awkwardly look at each other and they think about doing it again and then they just kind of shake their heads and walk off. I, I would like to suggest something. Yes? I think it should be party on candle nights. That's pretty good. Yeah? It's a lot more succinct at least. Yes, it is. Maybe we'll do that. Happy candle nights to all. Can oh, thank you. <laughs> candle nights is a holiday that the Macroys crafted from, from the ether. Um, <laughs> and so it's all about kind of finding new traditions and figuring out like what candle nights is. So I wanted to ask you about and learn about maybe one of the most definitive periods in Christmas history, Victorian Christmas. Yes, um, and really a lot of the things that we do today date back to the era of Victoria, and man, those kids, they knew about etiquette. There was and so many- And they knew how to party. <laughs> there were so many constructs for their, their modern, li their lives that they had to construct it around Christmas. Um, and as far as the, the, like the real start of it, Prince Albert started it. That guy? That guy. He said, let me out of this can. It's time to celebrate. <laughs> Hi, it's 2016, and I'm still making Prince Albert in a can jokes. <laughs> and something tells me it won't be my last tonight. 
Okay, well, maybe he didn't, he didn't really, like, start it. Because for thousands of years, people all around the world have been doing a kind of midwinter festival. Like Yule and the winter solstice and that kind of thing. Exactly. And then with the arrival of Christianity to this part of the world, pagan festivals kind of became mixed in. Mm -hmm. Right? So everybody had a little bit of everything they like. Because the pagan stuff had all the fun stuff in it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm going to try one more time. Yeah. Okay, I'm done now. Um, so in 1837, which is kind of not quite in the middle of Victoria's reign, but towards the beginning middle, um, no one had heard of Santa Claus. Wasn't a thing. What? No. How sad. Well, I mean, I, as far as no one, I mean no one, no, the English people. Oh, okay. He just hadn't made it over there he yet. Hadn't, he hadn't made it yet. So they had, they had a, a Father Christmas in kind of pagan traditions. They had a, 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 a Sinterklaas in kind of uh, Dutch traditions and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But really, the They had English, a Coke-drinking guy in the American traditions. No, they didn't have that yet. What? <laughs> Not yet. Oh. He's coming. Okay. Um, or they didn't have Christmas cards or Christmas crackers. And in fact, people didn't even get Christmas off work. <gasps> had, had to go in for, for work. What? I know. No. Um, but then, like I said, this is when Prince Albert comes in. He rolled in from Germany? Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Swish. Yes. Um, and really the, 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 um, what am I trying to say? The, the attitude was, was ripe for a holiday because they had just, <laughs> what? I just pictured everybody looking at Christmas trees going, hmm. <laughs> No, not Christmas trees yet. There's something here. <laughs> with the industrialization that came with the Victorian era, people had a little more leisure time. They, the rich especially, were able to not go to work for a few days. And so, they were, so that is really kind of the perfect storm that made everything come together of, we have this festival in Germany, we like to celebrate, let's take a few days off. And then um, there was a picture published in um, 18, Goodness, 1850? Sure. You, yeah. You don't know. <laughs> around that time, around 1850, uh, in, a, in a, a, like a magazine almost. I guess they had magazines, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They totally did. <laughs> they had 17 magazine and it was all about like dying. <laughs> Ouch. Well, because of... Life, it's not important, don't worry about it. I'll explain it to you guys when you're older. Where the Christmas tree was featured as a prominent figure in, a, in a, an etching, so not a picture, but an etching of the royal family in Windsor Castle. All the family like gathered around this beautiful tannenbaum Christmas tree, decorated with candles. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was the Royal Tannenbaum? You yes. are married to me. 
I suppose it was. So this makes complete sense because, I mean, the reason it was called the Victorian era, the era was basically like everything Victoria did, everyone went, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. Everybody loved it. That looks cool. Um, so then, like, you know, people started doing all kinds of things with the presents. You know, you, you see the pictures of the presents on, on the tree. That was a real thing because presents were quite small because people didn't have a lot of money. They also put like lit candles in their wood tree, which I've always looked back and gone, come on, God, even you must have known like, we shouldn't be doing this. Why are we? No, we got nothing but money. I mean, they also ate adulterated food and, you know, arsenic and mercury and stuff. That's true. So I guess the candles are the least of their worries. They were drinking the water. It was bad. All right. So the the way that we think about a, a Christmas tree with presents underneath didn't really happen until the 1880s when Macy's department store contributed to the commercialization of Christmas. In Wait. In, wait. In what? the 1880s? Uh-huh. Macy's? Macy's. 1880s. Yes. Not 1980s. No. 1880s. Yes. Macy's. Yes. Macy's was around in the 1880s. Yes. Not 1980s. Yes. Well. Okay. <laughs> they centralized a display full of dolls and candies and toys and other sort of like, you know, like little steam engines and tinker toys and things. And until then, people had pretty much just made their holiday gifts. And everybody was very disappointed every year. No. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Everyone was very happy to receive something that was so personal and took a lot of time. Okay. We'll go with that. Um, and that is when people started doing the store-bought toys that were too heavy to sit on the tree, so they became under the tree. Gotcha. Right, so that, that was just a little bit later. Um, but another tradition that I mentioned was Christmas cards. Yes. And um, that was actually part of a almost, I don't know, publicity stunt uh, that was started by Henry Cole in 1843, so again, this is during Queen Victoria. She was totally into it. Um, and he commissioned an artist to design a card that he then had uh, 100 copies made of and sold in his art store. They didn't like sell like hotcakes. Um, it's a bummer if you only put 100 and you can't sell them. We sold 150 posters tonight. I know. <laughs> Well, he decided that they were worth a shilling, and that was a lot. Sure. So, do you know what Queen Victoria did? What? She encouraged her, her um, people to make their own Christmas cards. And how long did that last? For a long time. Um, it, really didn't, uh, it really didn't catch on the idea of a store-bought Christmas card until 1870. You know, so it's, a good it's, 30 years. It's never occurred to me until this very moment, sitting on a stage in front of all of our friends, how ridiculous it is that somebody at some point went, Merry Christmas. Oh, there's got to be a better way. I wish I could pay someone $5 for this. I mean, I wouldn't do it, it's, but I'm very lazy. It's a tradition. Okay. I'm just saying like, how easy it would be to just make your own Christmas card. 
versus like going to the store and buying it. It's well, a little it is silly. Qu- it is quite easy. Everybody. Which is why Queen Victoria said, you guys should make your own Christmas cards. That was a little bit crappy of her that she saw this dude making it and she had the power to literally make him, like make his career and she went, no, everybody just make your own. <laughs> so um, by 1870, there was a half penny postage rate introduced and also, you know, the railroads were everywhere at that point. So people could actually send cards to people. Um, and it wouldn't have cost quite so much. So you could make your card and then send it by rail to your friend, friends and family. So you didn't have to just like deliver it to people in town. You could send it right. across the world, wherever the railroads went. Probably not across the water, right? Pro- probably not. Okay. Rails don't do so well across the water. Not yet. Um, but by... <laughs> I've just had a great idea. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. But by the 1880s, this industry produced 11.5 million cards. 11.5 million cards in 1880. That's a lot of cards. I don't know how many people were like sending cards, but that was a lot one of cards guy. per person. It was one guy who just loved it. He was like, everybody gets a card. Again! Please no, Papa. Again! <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're enjoying our live episode. It was recorded before a live studio audience and also recorded before BB was born. So (laughs) I don't know if that was clear. Um, But we're coming to you now in the the present, well, in the nearer past. From the ghost of Christmas past. Is this the present then? What? Because the the show is the past. Right. And this is, but we're... But we're not really in the present now because people are listening to this. Christmas presents? Sure. Um, <laughs> and, but we have a Jumbotron this week that we want to tell you about before we get back into the episode. Um, we want you to go to YouTube and search Doomed to You and watch it. It's D-O-O-M-E-D-2-T-O-U-Y-O-U. It's a romantic comedy web series about what happens when the engagement party for one couple becomes the celebration of a breakup for another when the worst couple in the world breaks up. All five episodes are available now. So go check that out. Doomed to you. Um, and also, uh, this uh, this episode is going to be our last for 2016. We'll be back in 2017. Don't worry. Uh, but we won't be putting out an episode next week because we'll be traveling. But we'll come back in and, you know, we'll pick a great topic and it's going to be great. Uh, but you know, check out our Twitter and our Facebook and all that stuff. But you know what? Let's get back into the episode. Happy Christmas. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm Danielle Radford. I am Michael Eagle. And we are the hosts of Tights and Fights, Maximum Fun's newest podcast dedicated to all things wrestling. We'll be talking about Sasha Banks, the women's revolution, Sasha Banks, the brand split, and Sasha Banks's wigs. And we'll also be talking about wrestler fashion. Some wrestlers wear too many clothes. Some wrestlers don't wear enough clothes at all. And I'll be doing impressions of all your favorite wrestlers. New episodes Thursdays on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, dig it. Tides and Bites Podcast. Tides and Bites. What do Maria Bamford, Jad Abumrad, Dick Cavett, Phoebe Robinson, Dan Deacon, W. Kamau Bell, Brooke Gladstone and Andrew W.K. have in common. 
They've all been speakers and performers at past MaxFunCons. Every MaxFunCon is a murderer's row of amazing stand-up comedians, thoughtful cultural leaders, and skilled artists. And MaxFunCon and MaxFunCon East 2017 will be no different. Visit MaxFunCon.com for dates and more information and to grab your ticket before they're gone. And now we're going to talk about Christmas crackers, the yes. thing that I always thought was a food until I started watching Doctor Who. <laughs> I wish that was a joke. It wasn't. Again, this industry was born by the Victorians in 1848 um, when a confectioner named Tom Smith invented this bold new way to sell sweets. In a tube. He wrapped them up in paper. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Doug? No, what? It's trash. <gasps> That's it. They were like sugared almonds, and he wrapped them up in paper. Nobody had done that yet. It was so easy to invent back then. <laughs> I could invent all of that stuff. So that, that evolved into the paper tube with the candies and later on jokes and hats and, and fun things inside the paper tube for the Christmas cracker. Excellent. Quite humble beginnings, I'd say. I mean, in America, humble continuings. <laughs> Did you like that one? Is that okay? I did it! I'd like to cycle back a little bit. Okay. I'd like to cycle back to um, the Christmas greenery other than a Christmas tree. What, what sort of things do people do nowadays Reef. with the greenery? Okay, wreaths. What, what else? Holly boughs. Okay. Is that a thing? Yeah, totally. Uh, other than reef and trees and boughs. Mistletoe? Mistletoe. Nailed it. That's Swish. what I was looking for. I was looking for mistletoe. So... Um, the thing about mistletoe is it is a pagan kind of tradition, right? Um, it's the idea of during the Roman solstice ceremony, the red berries were supposed to ward off lightning and evil spirits. So it's not the kind of thing that the Victorians put in their churches, um, but they did have it in their homes. And one of the, this was like Victorians kicking back, hanging loose hanging the, the mistletoe up on the ceiling. They unbuttoned the button right under their Just chin. Just right here. Yeah. Just the one. Just the one. Um, and so anyone who met under the mistletoe suspended from the ceiling would claim a kiss. We know this. We do this. But the number of We don't do this. We're married. <laughs> we kiss whenever we want to and not other people. So stop asking. So the number of kisses that were allowed under each plant depended on, excuse me, the number of berries. That's fun. Yeah, so, so every time somebody kissed, they would take down a berry, and once the berries were all gone, that mistletoe was all used up. And you could charge creepers extra for what? like one with extra berries on it. You know what I mean? I mean, I... Charge per berry. I guess so. I'm just saying. This is how I would have made my millions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, indeed. Do you have anything on there about carols? I do. 
Would you like me to skip ahead? So I, that we I'm very anxious else? to share a fact that I know about carols. Oh, just for you, because it's candle nights. Thank you, darling. I just know like something fun about carols, and I want to talk about it. Okay, all right. So while caroling wasn't new in the Victorian era, it was a tradition that was actively revived at this point. Um, they were, you know, a, a pleasure well worth cultivating. It was very, it was considered in high esteem to have carolers at your parties and things like that. So here's what I want to share. <laughs> That's new to the Victorian era because in like the 1700s, Listen closely. The next time you hear the song, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And as the like verses continue, the verse about we won't go until we get some, we won't go until is because carolers were often very drunk and they would show up at people's house. This is absolutely true. Show up at people's houses and demand food and money and stuff. And if they didn't get it, they would charge it to the people's houses and take it. And so caroling was outlawed for a while because of how dangerous it was. I just think that's fun. That's a very amusing antidote. Thank, it's not yeah. antidote, it's true. I, antidotes can be true. That's fair. You learn all kinds of things very on the show. Very amusing. Good Thank job, you, honey. Thank you very much. Now you can go on with the actual stuff. Okay. <laughs> well, I would like to talk about Christmas dinner. Please. Well, the feast of Christmas has its roots in the Middle Ages um, because that was when, after Christ Mass, I see it. Uh, you were allowed to break your fast. So once you would fast leading up to Christ's Mass, and then you would have a feast celebrating the breaking of the fast. Um, but really, the Victorians they were the ones who did this right because they really started um, those um, delicious mince pies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is which, that meat? Is that meat in a pie? It, it, it was. It was meat. It used to be. Now it's kind of like fruits and stuff. Ah, uh, gotcha. That's better. That's how pies work unless they're pot. <laughs> pot pie. He'll be here all night, folks. Okay. I actually will. <laughs> I live here now. But made famous by Charles Dickens is the Christmas Goose. Is that from like Christmas Carol where they talk about like, go boy, what day is it? It's yes. Christmas Day. Why they did it all one night. Do you know the goose in the window? The one as big as me? Yes, go get it and bring it to Bob Cratchit's house. Oh, what a smart boy. Yes. <laughs> So they started off with the, the Christmas goose, um, but although in different parts of, well, different parts of England and with different socioeconomic statuses, what you ate really depended on what you could afford. The very lowly of the Victorians probably ate rabbit instead. That's um, fine. Yeah. I've never had rabbit. I don't, good. I don't, is it? Yeah. All right. A little gamey. Okay. One second, this is between us. <laughs> Do you want to have rabbit for dinner? No, thank you. Okay. Um, whereas uh, Queen Victoria and her family in 1840... Ate No. <laughs> but their feast did consist of both beef 
uh, and royal roast swan. Is that, is that, is that where it comes from that the queen owns all the swans? Yes. That's true. In England, legally, the queen owns all the swans. That's true. That's not a joke. If you see a swan, that's the queen's swan. And should be addressed as such. <laughs> um, so then, from Goose, most Victorians moved on to Turkey. Um, and Turkey is really what um, most English uh, English dwellers have today, except for really Americans. We kind of saved turkey for um, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And sandwiches. And sandwiches? We have turkey a lot. Okay. And then, um, and you know, other than that, we usually have like some sort of roast. Mm-hmm. Or like a ham. People do ham. Or a ham. People do that too. Right. So um, I would like to share a, a small thing about, about the feet of the of the poultry. Oh, okay. So there was a great journey to London that would start um, a few weeks. Uh, sorry, would start sometime in October for these various poultries, where their feet were tarred for like dipped in tar for the journey, and they would walk to London. But why? Just well, to be mean? It was about 80 miles uh, from a lot of the Norfolk farms that furnished a lot of this poultry to, to London and other places there. Um, and they would march their little way, and then once they got there, they got their own little feast. And then they were killed for yours. Now just, I think I know the answer to this, but I do just want to be clear. Someone was making them march there, right? Oh, of course. You just hadn't mentioned a human being, and I pictured all these, like, goose going, oh, well, dip your feet in, let's go. The farmers, you know the deal, Frank. Obviously, the farmers drove them there. I mean, that makes sense, but, like, I didn't know Macy's opened in 1880, so I'm not going to assume anything at this point. All right. All right. So, um... I think that the most important thing that the Victorians did... How are we doing, Tony? We're doing great. We're doing great. The, one of the most important things that the Victorians did is they really tried to center the Christmas celebration on family uh -huh. um, and the preparation and eating of the feast, the decorations, the gift-giving, um, entertainment, and parlor games even were all kind of essential to the celebration of this new festival, and they were to be shared by the whole family. And like I mentioned earlier, the person who, who really kind of set this, I don't want to say set it in motion, but I want to say made it kind of ironclad in the society of the time was Charles Dickens, mm -hmm. we talked about. And he didn't invent the Victorian Christmas. It was already going on while he was writing it. But it's um, like he wrote the book about it, like quite literally he wrote the book on it. Right. Um, I didn't mean to be funny there, but I can't turn it off. And he included these, these core values of kind of family, charity, goodwill, peace, and happiness that really is what the Victorian Christmas started out as because when you think about it in a timeline, you start with 
uh, people can't get off work, they're can't get off their lines at the factory. They have no kind of respite in the middle of winter. And then they finally get this kind of rest mm -hmm. that they are able to spend with their families and spread goodwill. And I think it's just really nice. That is very nice. In fact, it's so nice. Let's wrap it up there. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for coming to the show. Thank you for coming to Candlelights. We have a lot more show for you. Um, coming up next, well, I think you don't, but I'll let them introduce it. Um, <laughs> we want to say thank you uh, to everybody. Thank you for coming. Are you ready to go? Yeah? I'm ready. Uh, join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners, get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.